Blog Talk Radio. edition of Coffee Talk Jazz Radio, where jazz is the order of the day. Today is October the 5th, 2010. It's cool and a bit drizzly outside, but it's a wonderful change from the 113 degree weather that we had last week. This week, we're serving you a double header. We're bringing you the very best jazz musicians in the world. Last month, I celebrated my 50th birthday, and I want to thank all of my friends from the Jazz Network. Twitter, K-Jazz, Sedona Jazz, my friends from the desert, and my Facebook family. Our intro music is entitled Chasing Eric by saxophonist Mr. John Wheatley, and his CD is called Angel, and it's available at cdbaby.com. If you're a first-time listener and new to Coffee Talk Jazz, I'd like to welcome you. Our show's call-in number is 1-347-934-0108. You are welcome to call the show and speak with our in-studio guests, but be sure to press 1 and the pound sign on your phone so I can bring you live right to the studio. Now, speaking of birthdays and parties, today's very special guest recently celebrated his birthday in September. But before I bring him on, let me tell you a bit more about him. For nearly two decades, Peter White has maintained a reputation as one of the most versatile and prolific acoustic guitars on the contemporary jazz landscape. He has won the award for the best smooth jazz musician in 2007 at the Canadian Smooth Jazz Awards. He was named the best guitarist at the National Smooth Jazz Awards for four consecutive years running. And in 2000, he won three Oasis Smooth Jazz Awards. Number one for CD of the Year for Perfect Moments, one of my absolute favorites. For Song of the Year for Midnight in Manhattan with the late Grover Washington, Jr., and for best guitarist, I'd like to welcome the newest member to the Coffee Talk Jazz family, award-winning guitarist, Mr. Peter White. Hello, Peter. Hello. It's great to be with you today. We're so thrilled and so excited that you are with us in studio today. Well, I have so many wonderful questions um, for you. And my first is that you grew up in the 60s and a little sleepy English town called Letchworth Garden City. Tell us a little bit about growing up there. Letchworth Garden City was actually the first planned city in the world. Mm. Uh, Nobody knows this. It's a little-known fact. Yeah, it was built in in a field, basically. A city was built in a field, according to a plan, uh, back in 1906. And uh, it was the first in the world to, to be built like this. So it's, it's quite famous in that way. But it's a lovely little – it's not really a city. They call it a city, but it's really a little town. And, um, it sounds I grew like, up it sounds there like listening. a quaint little town. Yeah, I was listening to a lot of music, mostly on the radio, because we didn't have, didn't have a lot of records. Back then, my, my parents weren't big record collectors, although my mother, my mother, who is French, loves the French singers like Edith Piaf, 
and uh, Charles Aznavour. And um, so that's what I listened to. But uh, I think the first LP I ever bought was Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band by the Beatles in uh, so 1967. So you're interested so in the Beatles, the Beatles were a huge influence Beatles. on me. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, for everyone... Um, Everyone has heard of Beatles, the Beatlemania. There was um, John Lennon, Paul McCartney, um, George Harrison, Ringo Starr, and uh, they came out of a Liverpool, uh, England. And I believe there were two. There were two former members. I believe there was Pete Best and Stuart uh, Sutcliffe. I believe that. Yes, you know a lot about. Them. <laughs> I know. I mean, I loved. I loved the Beatles. I mean, everybody just, you know, back in the day. I mean, they were. They had enormous popularity, and it was known as, you know. Um, Beatlemania, and I knew that John Lennon, he played the rhythm uh, guitar, and then Paul McCartney was bass, guitar, and vocals, and George Harrison. So I love yeah. music as much <laughs> as much as you do. Yes, and for Paul McCartney to play the bass and to sing lead vocals, that's not easy to do, because you're doing do two different things at one time. You know, so I always thought that was very clever of him. And he played le bass left-handed as well. <laughs> wow. Well, that's something. I'm, I'm uh, I think they, got, they kind of got me started really getting interested in the guitar back then, in the early 60s. And I remember seeing a film of them playing live at Shea Stadium sometime you know, in, the, in the middle 60s. And, and I just thought it was the most exciting thing I'd ever seen on TV. The girls were screaming and the... You know, the four mop tops from Liverpool just sweating <laughs> away and shouting and playing their instruments. I thought, wow, I want I want to do this. So and I was probably 10 years old at that time. The fans that drew you in. Um, so, so, Peter, was your parents that bought you an acoustic guitar at the ripe age of eight years old? And I understand that you're self-taught um, to play and that you also listened to a little tape recorder. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I didn't have any lessons yes yeah, so i got i got a guitar but i got no instruction in it i didn't even know anyone in in my town that played guitar uh who could give me lessons so i just started playing away with it myself just starting with the low notes you know i always loved the low notes and eventually i got a tape recorder and i used to listen to the radio and i used to if i found a song i liked i would i would turn the tape recorder on and record it so I could listen to it later and, and that's how I learned to play the guitar really by listening to the radio and also listening to the tape recorder and um, you know I could stop the tape recorder and try and figure out what I just heard and then start the tape recorder again and play a little bit more and then it's all very kind of low tech really but um, I learned to play one note at a time on the guitar really just just by myself and, and still to this day I've never had any lessons really <laughs> I just find that it's just such an amazing story. I mean, at eight years old, you had a real ear um, um, for music. Yeah, I did, but it was very slow. My progress on the guitar was very, very slow because no one showed me anything. I had to figure it out by myself, so it took me months to learn what someone else might have learned in a few weeks or in a few days. But but everything that I played, I understood it I, because I had found it for myself. So I completely understood what I was playing on the guitar. No one ever showed me anything to play that I didn't understand how to, how to you know, where it came from. And um, I'm quite proud of that, actually. 
I mean, I just find that just to be amazing. And in 1967, you heard someone by the name of Jimi Hendrix, and you heard a song called Purple Haze, and you've never heard anything like that come out of an well, acoustic guitar. Well, it was not an acoustic guitar. It was an electric guitar. It was your electric guitar. <laughs> yeah, because Jimi Hendrix came over to England, actually, in uh, 66, I think, to because he wanted to make it big, but he wasn't getting anywhere in America, so he came over to England, and he... He he teamed up with two English guys, Noel Redding and Mitch Mitchell, a drummer and a bass player, and they formed the Jimi Hendrix Experience. So it was really an English band formed in England. Um, and Jimi was in a music store and, and saw the first Marshall amplifier being brought in, which was a huge amplifier for those days, because up till then, amplifiers for guitars were pretty small and not very loud, but this was the first really loud amplifier, and he said, I want that. And that kind of started his career, you know, with the big sound that he had. He would never have managed to get that big sound with the amplifiers they had, you know, previously. So I heard this. I heard Purple Haze on the radio, and I thought, wow, that's amazing. I don't want to play acoustic guitar anymore. I want to play electric <laughs> guitar like that. So I bugged my parents, and they finally got me an electric guitar. And by this time, I was, what, 13, 14, uh, maybe. And um, by the time I was 15, um, my brother, Danny, who was sharing the bedroom with me, uh, started playing with matches and set our room on fire, burning up my electric guitar, which is very sad for me, as you can imagine. But it forced me to go back to playing my acoustic. Okay which I had kind of forgotten up till that point. So I thanked Danny for burning, almost burning the house down. <laughs> he got me to playing the instrument, which is now my main instrument that I play in my shows and on my recordings, a nylon string acoustic guitar. Okay, so um, here's what I'd like to do. I want to go ahead and go to the boards, and let's take a listen at uh, some of the world-class music um, that you have produced. And I think I want to go ahead and get started with Bullseye. This is an old, this is um, from the Glow CD from 2001, but this is entitled Bullseye. Let's take a listen, shall we?
Radio here at Coffee Talk Jazz, and we are in studio with guitarist Mr. Peter White. Um, I heard a lot of funk in there. I heard a little bit of rock in there. And um, before we listen to Bullseye, we were talking a little bit about um, Mr. Jimi Hendrix, and I know that he was an American guitarist. He was a songwriter just like yourself, and so he was considered as one of the greatest electric guitarists in the history of rock music. So you also have a background uh, in in rock music. Is that correct, Peter? Oh, absolutely. I was totally into rock and roll music when I was a teenager. And um, Jimi Hendrix is is the greatest rock guitar player of all time. And his, his Rolling Stone poll said so uh, a little while back. But, um, yeah, I was into guitar and uh, electric guitar, but, you know, towards the end of my teenage years, I started getting more back into acoustic guitar, because I was listening to the music of Crosby, Stills and Nash, and James Taylor, and Joni Mitchell, so I kind of, I was kind of getting out of my rock phase, if you if you will, and uh, more into acoustic music, which is good, because when at the age of 20, I started playing professionally, and I met a guy called Al Stewart, yes. who really needed uh, he, and his well his music was very acoustic based music and even though he hired me to play piano because he didn't know I could play guitar um he later on you know realized I could play guitar and had me play a lot of acoustic guitar on his albums and that kind of became my sound rather than the electric guitar because I knew I was not going to be the next Jimi Hendrix <laughs> I just well, knew I, it so by you. by Putting, doing everything I had learned on the electric guitar and then applying it to the acoustic guitar, I think I got more of a different sound that way and, and more of a recognizable sound. Um, so th- the instrument the, the instrument that uh, kind of really got me known was the nylon string guitar, which actually Al Stewart put into my hand when I was 20 and said, play this. So I'm, I'm very grateful for him to, for doing that. Because you know that was how my sound started way back when I was twenty, 
there was a song called On the Border from the Year of the Cat album. Yes, that we made back then. Album, which, right, seventy six. That, that, yeah, that, that album sold you know two million worldwide, and it had my guitar playing on it. And I was really thrilled about that. And I would play in his show mostly keyboards, but for that one song, I would go out front and play my nylon string acoustic guitar, and that's the only thing that anyone would remember that I did in the show. But at least they remembered something that I did. So <laughs> th- I became okay. known for that. Oh, you're the guy that plays the acoustic guitar. And I said, okay, yeah, I'd take it. And so uh, I started relying less and less on playing piano during the shows and playing more and more guitar. You and to this so day, now I, I don't really play keyboards on stage, even though <laughs> I've played keyboard as, as much and as long as I've played guitar, you know, going back to when I was you know, eight or nine. But during the show now, my show, I play, you know, pretty much all guitar, acoustic guitar. Okay. Um, For the listening audience, for those who don't know, um, Al Stewart had an amazing impact um, uh, working, collaborating with with Peter. And did you know what? He's also another September, another September baby. He was born September the 5th. For those who don't know, he's a Scottish singer, songwriter, folk rock musician, and... Um, he was part of the British folk rock revival back in the 60s and the 70s, and um, I'm very familiar yeah. with the year of the cat. All these, <laughs> all these singers that are listening to Bob Dylan and thinking, how can we do this? And Al was one of them. He was heavily influenced by Bob Dylan. Um, and then when uh, Bob Dylan went electric and formed a band, Al decided that he was going to do the same thing. A few years later, of course, and uh, that's where I came in. I helped him you know, put the band together and um, you know, so we started touring America. I mean, that was an exciting time for me. My goodness, I met so many famous people, like uh, Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin, who was my idol. I met him in an elevator <laughs> on my very first tour of uh, of the United States. You've had um, some very was, powerful influences. Um, yeah. You mentioned you mentioned earlier Crosby, Steele's, and Nash, and they were um, that was a folk rock. They used to call him a super group. It was David Crosby, it was uh, Stephen Steele, Graham Nash, and um, I know that they were really noted for their integral vocal, you know, harmonies, and they were also, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. A lot of people may not know that. Yeah, and they all played acoustic guitar, and uh, there's a very famous segment of them in uh, the Woodstock movie playing the Judy Blue Eyes Suite, just accompanied by acoustic guitars, and I just thought that was a most fantastic sound. You know, even after I'd been corrupted by rock and roll and the sound of <laughs> Jimi Hendrix's electric guitar, I still appreciated the sound of the acoustic guitar. I thought it could be just as tough as an electric guitar, I realized. Well, to to have been eight years old and to have just, just you know, uh, be self-taught, to listen to a recorder, and, you know, looking back now, I mean, you have 12 albums to your credit. I mean, there's... Good Day, There's Glow, Perfect Moments, Caravan of Dreams, uh, Excuse Moi, Promenade. I mean, so many wonderful CDs. Are you surprised by your success? Oh, totally. <laughs> and by the way, before I made my, my solo albums, I, I'd made five or six, I think six albums with Al Stewart before that. Because um, I... Before I made my first solo album, I'd already been a musician, a recording artist for 15 years. Right. 
You began your career and, in uh, 1990, so you actually did a lot of you did a lot of backup um, work, and then something yeah, changed I, in, in from, 90. Starting from 1975, um, I was playing backup without, also with a singer called Basha. Yeah, Polish singer, absolutely. Yeah, that's my brother got me in, involved in that. So thank you, Danny, again. <laughs> my, my pyrotechnic brother. <laughs> um, I've got a lot Danny to thank him for. Danny yeah, but it all it all made me very. Um, it all, it all made me ready for when I started my solo career. I had a lot of experience by that point. I wasn't just starting out. I'd already been in the music business for 15 years when I made my first album. So uh, I, I knew by that time I knew a little bit about making music, about making recordings, making records. That's just amazing. You had no idea that the accident with your... Um, well, no, I, I had no idea because when <laughs> I started in music, I was knew that I was going to be a backup musician. And why? Because I didn't sing. And I do sing a little bit, but not. I'm not a great singer. And I never was really that interested in singing. Um, but I, actually, I do little Elvis in my Christmas show. <laughs> I, I like to do Blue Christmas. And I realize I can actually do Elvis. Isn't that funny? Even though I'm not a great singer, I can do Elvis. Okay, since you brought, since you brought that up. Blue Christmas. I love it. Without you. Yes, I can do Elvis, but... I can't believe I, you sound so much like him. Yeah, oh, I, can, I can do Elvis. For some reason, I can do Elvis. But when I started in music, I knew that I was just going to be in the background because if you didn't sing, then you were always going to be in the background. There was really no outlet for instrumental music unless... You were a you know, real jazz player, which I wasn't, um, or classical, which I wasn't that either. And it wasn't until smooth jazz, well, what we call smooth jazz radio, started in around 1987, and I heard a group called Acoustic Alchemy, who were also from England, playing acoustic guitar music with a band. I thought, wow, what an inspiration. I said, I want to do something like this. Yeah, Nick so that's how I got started with my own music. It's just amazing. I'm looking at all the different uh, influences, and, and uh, now that I know that I understand why your music sounds like it does, because there's a little bit of everybody. Um, well, there's also you didn't mention there's a lot of disco in that in that last song, Bullseye. A lot of a lot of Euro, as Rick Braun calls it. He says you're you're always you're all about Euro disco, aren't you? He said. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I said yes. And what's wrong with that? I love it. I love it so. Um, I like it. Anything with a beat, you know. I mean, this. I also like to do music that's quiet and contemplative, but I like to having a beat there as well. Doesn't everybody? You have so many. Um, you have so many wonderful songs um, to select from, and so we're going to go to the boards and we're going to take a listen at Dream Walk. Here we go from guitarist Mr. Peter White.
And we are back with our in-studio guest, guitarist Peter White. And you were just listening to a beautiful um, track from his Excuse Moi CD called Dream Walk. And he had a little bit of help there from uh, fellow uh, musicians Paul Cotton and Phil Kinsey and Danny White as well. I have so many more questions. Phil Kinsey is the saxophone player on that track. Beautiful. And done. if that sounds familiar, it's because he's the same guy that played on the Year of the Cat. <laughs> the, the wonderful saxophone on the end of the Year of the Cat song with you know the old orchestra going, that was Phil. And I thought, wouldn't it be nice to kind of recreate that sound? So uh, Phil was living in Los Angeles at that time, you know, as, which is where I live. So I got him to come to the studio and, and knock that one out. And it was wonderful, you know, playing with him again and reliving that sound. That is just amazing. Now your first, um, your first CD you dedicated to your mom, and it has a French title. Would you please pronounce that for me? Réveillez-vous. See, I don't want to mess that up, so I'm just going to ask Peter to do it for me. So you dedicated that. It's it's very nice. It means wake up. Beautiful. And I was warned by my record company that no one would be able to pronounce it, let alone understand it. But I did it anyway because I thought, well, you know, it's it's part of my French heritage because my mother is French. So I'll have an album title in French. And it's something that she might very well have said to me, trying try to get me up in the morning to go to school. <laughs> or, you know, all of us, because it's plural. So it would be all of us kids. I had uh, two brothers and a sister. So she would be shouting up the stairs to us in the morning. <laughs> So that's what I called my first album. It was, also, it was also my awakening, you know, my waking up to a whole new career, and, um, hopefully a whole new start in my life, which it turned out to be. And by the way, the second album, which um, Dream Walk comes from, is called Excusez-moi, which means, of course, excuse me. And actually in French, it's an apology. So I was actually making an apology for the first album. <laughs> on the second album because I, I realized that no one could pronounce it. Réveillez-vous. So I said, I'm, I'm, I am so sorry, which in French is excusez-moi. And I wrote an apology on the sleeve notes. Um, it appears that the title of my first album was too difficult to pronounce. <laughs> uh, I am excusez-moi. But I wrote it all in French, which I thought was very funny. But no one ever got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think that your albums are just they're just they're absolutely beautiful. I got a couple more questions for you. You've been in the uh, music industry um, for decades, and Peter, how would you say the landscape of music has changed within the last five to ten years? Because I've seen a definite shift. So how how has it changed since you've been out? There? Well, music is far more available online. Uh, for streaming, you know, starting about ten years ago, we were really we were concerned about people burning CDs, burning their own CDs, and burning, you know, tracks or copying one CD onto another. And now nobody bothers anymore. And you know, the next phase was everybody's. We worried about everyone illegally downloading um, onto their computer, but people don't bother so much doing that either. Um, now everything's available streaming, pretty much. So 
we're not selling as many CDs as we used to. I would say my biggest album was probably Caravan of Dreams, which came out in 1996. Yeah. And if I compare the sales of Caravan of Dreams to the sales of my latest album, Good Day, probably only maybe 25 to 30% of the people who bought the Caravan of Dreams album are now buying my new album. So that's how much record sales have gone down, wow. you know, by about maybe 70%. That's, that's so it's a really different. And and a lot of the stores have closed down, sure. of course. It's hard. If I, if I was to go out and buy, if I was to try and find my CD in a store, I don't know where I would go today. Um, but, you know, they're also available online. I sell my CDs at my shows, and they're available for... Downloading on iTunes, and um, and still hear my music on the radio, and I'm and I'm still doing almost a hundred shows a year. I'm gonna say you're touring extensively. I've looked at I've looked at your schedule, and I just really want to say thank you again, Peter. I mean, really for um, just really taking time out of your day just to be with us, because looking at your schedule, I mean. Um, and I did get your note. Um, I did get your note that you were when you were playing in 104 degree weather um, with your blue beauty. Is that the name of your guitar? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It came off on my shirt. I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> you know, it would be like it would be like if you were leaning against your car. Yeah. One day and it was really hot and you suddenly realized that the paint of your car came off on your shirt. Yeah. That's like yeah. that. That's oh, how surprised God. I was. And um, maybe maybe it's just because I was so sweaty. Maybe that was it. No, it was it was it was incredibly incredibly hot. And the fact that you were in Temecula, um, which is down in the yeah. in the valley of the Thornton Winery, so I know that was very very hot. Just really quick, I just want to cover a little bit of coffee talk jazz news and just tell our listeners where you're going to be um, since you were mentioning um, that you're actually you're doing shows all over uh, on October the first. You're going to be at the Hyatt uh, New Porter, and that's at eleven. Yes, but that was but that was last week already. That was, you know, I meant to say October. I meant to say October the tenth. You're going to be at the Catalina. You yes, see, I'm still in September right. in my weekend. head. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be at the Catalina Jazz Festival uh, at Avalon, and that's in the Casino uh, Ballroom, and that's the Jazz Track Festival, which is huge. It's like the 24th annual. It's a, a three-day um, uh, event. It's just, it's a wonderful event. Um, the last time I was on Catalina, I saw Naji in. The ballroom. It's been a while, so I've got to um, I've got to get back over there. And you're going to be in Chicago, October the 29th, at the Performing Arts Center at the uh, Dual Sable Museum, which is located at 740 East 56th Place. And I'm going to tell all of our listeners why you're going to be there. Uh, Peter um, is going to be at the American Smooth Jazz Awards, and that's going to be on October the 29th. And he has been nominated. And you're also going to be performing and you were nominated for guitarist of the year song of the year and album of the year does it ever get old for you getting all these great awards you're, you're well, i think fantastic. it's wonderful i think it's very wonderful to be you know to be nominated like this it's a very small group and uh i'm thrilled really and i hope to go there and just meet up with all my friends because there's going to be a lot of artists playing there at that show Sure. And all sure. of us are going to play one song, you know, probably our best-known song. Well, I'm going to play the song I was nom- nominated for, which is a song called Bright, yeah. from my latest CD. 
On a good day. And um, I can have a rip-roaring time, I hope. And then right after that, I'm flying to England to do uh, two weeks of shows in England. Uh, Berkshire, uh, yeah, United Kingdom, you're going to be at Club One, the Concord Club. Um, so we have a we have a wonderful, wonderful listenership. Um, people from England, Paris, um, um, South Africa, Cape Town, South Africa. We get emails from just all over. So um, for my friends that are hanging out on Facebook, that have Skyped in and everything, if you guys are going to be in England, you definitely want to um, take advantage and go and see Peter while he's while he's there, so that is really exciting. Yes, a lot of very small, intimate venues I'm playing over there. That's a lot exciting. of fun. And my mother got, uh, comes to see me play as well. That's very oh, exciting. That's, that's exciting, too. Yeah. Now, yeah. what I'd like to do is uh, I want to go and play one more song and then come back um, with a tons more questions. I think we'll play something off of your latest CD, um, Good Day, and this is called Ramon's Revenge. Let's take a listen. Let's see. Peter, you sent me so many wonderful songs. See if you can find it in here. Okay, and here we go.
we're back broadcasting live with our in-studio guest, Mr. Peter White, and you just heard Ramona's Revenge from his Good Day CD, and that was released in 2009. And just really quickly for our listeners, um, if you'd like to see one of your favorite artists on the show, please send an email to coffeetalkjazzradio at msn.com, and also follow us on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash coffeetalkjazz. Peter, I have a couple more questions for you, and... Um, my first would be, there's an annual event that takes place called Guitars and Sax, and you've actually lent your talent to that event. Tell us a little bit more about uh, the Guitar and Sax event. Guitars and Sax is it's actually called, it started in 1995 by an, uh, an agency in California called Variety Artists, mm-hmm. and they decided that they had four jazz musicians or what they considered jazz musicians on their roster and why not put them all out together in a collaborative show so that was me, Richard Elliott Warren Hill and Craig Chikiso and I didn't think this was a very good idea actually <laughs> I, thought it was a, I thought it was a terrible idea I thought, how, how are we going to be able to even agree on anything there's going to be egos all the way we're going to be arguing about how the show should be. And luckily, we had a road manager. His name was Dave, Dave Pennells, an English guy, another English guy. And he says, look, everybody plays 30 minutes, okay? Everybody plays 30 minutes. There was a 30-minute rule. So we all came up with a 30-minute show, and we put it all together. And it actually worked really well. So it kind of got me out of the house, Bridget, because before <laughs> then, I, I wasn't playing that many shows as a solo artist, just a few here and there, and I was mostly playing back up to Al Stewart and Basher, but in 95, that all changed. And I started doing the Guitars and Saxes tour, and we ended up playing all the way through the year. Uh, many shows, and went to many cities and towns that I'd never been to before, never played in. So that was great for me. It kind of kick-started my, started my career, even though... I'd I'd already been a solo artist for five years at that point. I had never done that many shows on my own, or as as a solo artist. So it it kind of got me out there, and that tour has continued every year since 1995, with a different lineup every time. And I've done it maybe nine or ten times now. And I just finished Guitars and Saxes tour just now, right. which was with Kirk Whalen, Ger- Gerald Albright, and Jeff Golub. Yes. We did our last show in L.A. a couple of weeks ago, and I uh, hope to do it again next year, maybe with the same lineup. I love that lineup with Gerald, Kirk, and Jeff Gold. It's wonderful, wonderful playing with these guys. Well, you all are just such amazing um, artists, and I noticed that on your CDs um, you have so many friends that you just mentioned, and you all you all play on each other's CDs, and I'm just thinking, God, whose CD should I buy first? And I just, I'll just buy everybody's. I just buy everybody's CD. But my absolute favorite CD of all times was Perfect Moments. I was going through something at that time, and I just can't recall what it was, but it wasn't really great. And your music for me, and as a matter of fact, I was talking to my son this morning about it because he called me, and I said, oh, my goodness, I, I told him, um, uh-huh. I said, son, I, I, said, I said, guess who's coming to the show? I said, guess who's going to be here? And he says, who? Who, Mom, who? And I said, I said, Peter White. He goes, yeah, Mom, that's your favorite. He said, remember the CD that you wore out? Because I literally wore it out. It wouldn't play anymore. Wow. I had to buy. I did. I had to buy another one. So I would drive to work 
with the CD. I would come home and I would just listen to it, and it was like it was like a lullaby for me, honest to goodness. So, per- all of the CDs are great, but Perfect Moment was just absolutely. Oh, I'm glad you like it. It was just absolutely, um, absolutely my favorite. Well, I have another question for you. I cannot believe it. we're almost at the end of the hour. That seemed to go so fast, Peter. Oh yes, yeah. Can't believe that. Now, what would you tell? What would you tell a young person that's thinking about getting into the music industry? You've seen all sides of it, from the show business side, from the performance side. What would you tell somebody new uh, in the business? How how would they start? If you want to be an instrumentalist, if you want yes. to play like me, yes. Then that's my forte. That's what I know about. Um, okay. If you're a singer, you go on American Idol. <laughs> <laughs> if you're an instrumentalist like me, what helped me from the very get-go was that I was versatile. I could play more than one instrument. Okay. For instance, when I joined Al Stewart's band, which became my job for the next 20 years, I joined him playing keyboards because he already had a guitar player at that time. So if I was just a guitar player, I wouldn't have got that job, and I would probably wouldn't have ended up touring in America and ending up living here and playing smooth jazz. Who knows what would have happened to me? But it was because I was versatile, and I did play more than one instrument, that that's why he hired me. And later on, he found I could play guitar and a little bit of accordion. accordion. I also played on Al Stewart's albums and on stage with him. So any instrument... If you only play one instrument, or if you only do one thing, I've always said this, if you only do one thing, you better be Pavarotti. (laughs) Because you're going to be competing with everyone else who does that one thing. But if you're versatile and you can play many different instruments, then you're going to be able to fit in in many more situations than if you only play one instrument. Um, Also, you know, learn to use recording equipment, you know, I'm sitting here in my studio, and I'm sitting in front of a computer, and that's how we record music now. You've got to learn how to record your own music so that you don't have to rely on anyone else. And learning how to use a computer to record music, because nobody uses tape anymore. That's what I would say. And, you know, there is no one path to being a success. You know, just just working every day means that you're a success in music. Don't expect to be the biggest of the big or the highest of the high or the, the, the most famous pers- musician in the world and be on the cover of in a Rolling Stone, there's very few people who reach that. But just if you want to be working as a musician, uh, get out there and meet as many people as you can. Find out where musicians congregate. Find out where they go. Find out the clubs and the music places where musicians go, and that's where you can hang out and meet musicians who are already working and go and see live bands and meet the people who play in the bands and get talking to them. You know, and one day you may meet somebody that will help you. That will maybe need some, you know, somebody who could use your talents. Whatever that might be. You've got to get out of the house. You can't just sit at home playing your instrument and expect to be famous. You know, you have to learn to play your instrument. Of course, and that takes a lot of sitting at home playing, but then you've got to leave the house and go out and be around people who are already doing what you want to do. That is sage advice. I just, I love that. That is just, that is really good. Um, what's your greatest joy, Peter? Uh, well, my daughter, who's my ten-year-old daughter, Charlotte, and just playing 
live shows and and when somebody says to me as you just did that a CD that I recorded meant a lot to them and helped them through a hard time that is the greatest joy I can get Hmm. and that keeps me that keeps me going I can go back now and I can work hard and make another CD and hopefully that will have the same effect yeah because recording music is can be very lonely you're spending all your time in dark windowless studios maybe on your own maybe with one or two other people and you spend long hours so uh, we need all the kudos that we can get you know all the encouragement that we can get and and that was a very nice encouragement that you gave me that one of my CDs was so meaningful to you yeah wow um it has really been my pleasure um talking with you today and playing your music today and um before i take us out i just want to make one little quick announcement um just want to let everyone know that um this friday i'm still september is still in my head it's just amazing <laughs> this Friday is uh, October the 8th, and we're going to have, um, you don't want to miss it, pianist, composer, producer, five-time Grammy winner, Mr. George Duke, um, is going to be with us, so I'm really excited about that. So you guys don't want to miss that show. And, um, Peter, I'm going to go ahead and take us out with, I don't even know what to, what to, what to select from. There's just so many great things, <laughs> so many great songs here. I want to play another one of uh, another one of my favorites, and this is entitled San Diego. And I also want to thank you for the beautiful autograph CD. So I'm going to have that matted and and, and frame. I, I absolutely love it. That was my birthday present from you, but you didn't know that. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad you like it, and uh, <laughs> it's been great talking to you, Bridget. And, uh, let's do it again. Okay, we will. And we're going to go ahead and take it out with San Diego. You've been listening to the very best. Here in Blog Talk Radio, here at Coffee Talk Jazz with the award-winning guitarist, Mr. Peter White. And don't forget, he's on tour. Just go right to his website at uh, peterwhite.com to get more information. Thanks for listening.